0: So we are a portable church, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Someone this morning said, we should do this every week. We should just change locations every week. And I was like, yeah, that could be interesting, you know. Um, But, you know, everything fits in that that trailer there, and and we could set up wherever. In fact, next week we'll be back at the community center, business as usual, but then the week after that we're going to do another outdoor service. We've got some baptisms that we'll be doing uh, in Lake Nokomis, so we'll be just downhill from Lake Nokomis, Uh, so please come back for that as well. So our our lectionary, or we're in ordinary time right now, and our lectionary that we follow, that's a schedule of scripture readings that we go through, has us in the epistle of Hebrews for the next few weeks. And we've been preaching through the gospel of Luke for um, quite a long time. And so I thought, let's go ahead and spend the next few weeks in, uh, in Hebrews. And specifically, we're going to be looking at the last few chapters uh, where the theme of faith comes up quite strong. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, Paul Tillich, he's a Lutheran theologian, he said that faith is probably the... Uh, I want to make sure I get this right. He says, faith is the most misunderstood word in all of Christianity. We use this word incorrectly quite often. And in fact, you've probably heard this just in conversations. The word faith used mis- or incorrectly so often. Oftentimes, faith is described as being opposite to reason. Or sometimes faith is described as, in fact, being the opponent to reason. You might hear people say, well, you have faith, I have reason. Faith is oftentimes described as anti-science, anti-curiosity, pure superstition, and completely dull. In fact, sometimes to be called a faithful person, it's sort of assumed that you're a little bit dopey and perhaps a little bit gullible as well, right? Now, of course, you might find someone to actually validate that definition of hollow faith, but that's not healthy faith. That's not vibrant faith. That's not growing, exciting, adventuresome faith. That's not the faith that we hear described in the Bible. Because biblically speaking, faith is that which rescues us from fear and places into our hands hope. In our passage that we read from Hebrews today, we read in verse 1 that faith is the conviction of things not seen. Now that's not saying that we ourselves are blind, but the thing that we hope for, the object of our faith, is oftentimes not seen. And we have this conviction about it. We have something that grips our heart, that steers our desires, that helps us make decisions. This is faith that truly um, captures us and steers us. So let's say, for example, uh, you and I are, are going on a car ride, and I invite you to, to hop into my car, it's, it's over there somewhere, and you would walk up to it, and you would notice in the driver's side uh, bumper, there's a huge hole there where the fog light should be, it's missing, and that would probably cause you a little bit of distress, right? You'd walk up, you'd see that whole huge hole in the bumper, and you'd say, I'm not so sure I want to get in this car with Rick right now. And what I would do is I would explain to you the story. I'd say, you know what, there is this raccoon. And this raccoon uh, wasn't paying too much attention, perhaps had a bit of a death wish, uh, came, outside, came onto the highway, and one thing led to another, and now I have a hole in my bumper. So i explained to you what happened, and I would say, but everything's fine now. The car drives fine. It's very smooth. When you're in it, you, you wouldn't realize that there's this huge hole in front of it. And I promise, there's no need for you to worry. So come on, let's go on a ride. Now, at that moment, you have a decision to make, don't you? You have to decide whether or not you're going to have faith in that promise that I gave you. And you're going to decide whether or not to get in the car. Now, this decision that you have would depend on both observable reason... Observable rational facts, right? You see the hole. You maybe are looking for some raccoon hair that's maybe stuck in the in the bumper still. And you, but also you're depending on the trustworthiness of my words. If Rick was a liar, you would be less inclined to believe that story and less inclined to get into the car, right? But and and you would be using both those observable facts and the unobservable truths to determine the degree in which you have faith in me and my car. I'm not going to stand right in front of that speaker. How's that sound? (laughs) Uh, I I recently heard uh, an illustration from a Catholic bishop, Richard Barron, and he explains it a little bit this way. So let's suppose you're in college and somebody catches your eye. This person captures your attention. You see her on campus... You hear what she says in class, you think she's very intelligent, and you decide to yourself, I want to get to know this person a little bit more. Well, it's 2019, so you do what every college student does in 2019 who's interested in somebody else, and you hop on Facebook, and you, you do some Facebook stalking and try to figure out a little bit more about this person, right? And you, lo- you see what major she is, what clubs and sports she's in, you learn a lot, But then you also realize, hey, we've got a common friend. And so you go to this friend and you learn a little bit more. You find out what music she likes. You figure out what books she's reading. You figure out that she's super proud of her Norwegian heritage and wants to talk about that all the time. In other words, there's a lot you could learn just through simple, observable facts. However, that's an airplane. (laughs) However, there's a moment when you probably decide, I want to meet this person. I want to meet her, and so you ask her out on a date, and she actually says yes. So then you get to learn a whole lot about her, not through just observable facts, but by what she herself tells you, and some things you could, in fact, verify. You could figure out if she's telling you the truth. You could go and check with her friend, say, hey, she just said that she went to this movie. She went to go see Avengers. Is that true? That's kind of strange for her, but, you know, the friend could verify for you. But then some things that she tells you are so personal, so special, so mysterious, that no amount of scientific observation could validate whether or not they're true. She could tell you something like, I like mushrooms more than peanut butter. And you'd say, what? Are you sure? She could say something like, someday, I want to go to Angkor Wat in Cambodia. And you'd say, really? That's fascinating. And then someday, she might tell you something so mysterious, like, I love you. And you would have no way to validate this through any scientific way whatsoever. In fact, the way that you would... um, Except these things, to be true, yes, determines on some rational facts. There has to be some sort of precedent that would align with these. But then also, at some point, you have to take simple faith to come into a relationship with her, to experience that love back and forth. Do you see what the difference is here between between those other hollow definitions of faith and biblical faith? You see, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. Faith is not blind. Faith is not the arch nemesis of reason. No, faith works with reason. And in fact, faith takes you beyond anywhere that reason itself could even go. Faith is what gives you love and adventure in this life. Without it, imagine just walking around and only making decisions based off of observable facts. You have no risks with other people. You wouldn't have any fun in this life, right? You wouldn't go in car rides with crazy people with holes in their car, right? Faith is that which connects you. It's a bridge between the now and the promises of the future. So that brings us to the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews is written. We don't know who the author is. I have my suspicions. We can talk about that over coffee a little bit later, about who wrote the the book of Hebrews. But Hebrews is written to, surprise, surprise, Hebrews. Hebrews. Uh, it's written to Hebrew believers, to, Christian, uh, to Jewish Christians. And these believers are suffering from a huge persecution right now. And quite honestly, it's rattling their faith. These Jewish believers are being tempted to revert back to old habits. They're being tempted to revert back to the old ways of the old covenant. Judaism without Jesus. And the author of Hebrews says No. Keep enduring. Stick with the faith, he says to them. And he gives them these two beautiful arguments. The first argument, unfortunately, we're skipping over. It's the first 10 chapters of Hebrew. And the, the first, we're going to skip over that really quickly, actually. But the argument is Jesus is superior. He's better. He's better than the creatures of the earth, he's better than other humans, he's better than even the angels. Furthermore, Jesus is now seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding on behalf of you and me. He's praying for us. He's arguing for us. In other words, who could be greater than this Jesus? What the writer is doing is he's trying to rekindle the the love of Jesus inside of the hearts of the Hebrews. He's trying to capture their hearts, to fan that flame brighter and brighter. Don't you forget, he keeps saying to them. And then the second argument is here in chapter 11 very brilliantly, he says to the Hebrews, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to revert back to this old form of Judaism? Have you thought about the implications of this, he says? Because guess what? If you look carefully, the lives of these heroes of the faith, who we all love, is based on faith in the promises of God. Promises that you yourselves have tasted. You've gotten a glimmer of these. This is what everyone has been hoping for, for all of this time. When God said to the patriarchs of the old covenant that he loved them, they actually believed him. These men and women got into the car. They said back, I love you too. And this is what Hebrews 11 is all about. We hear this hall of fame of those who have been faithful. Abel, who offered his best to God, Enoch, who walked so close with God that God decided, I'm not going to let you experience death in the usual way. I'm just going to grab you and bring you up into heaven. Noah, even when there wasn't even a single cloud in the sky and everyone thought he was crazy, he built a boat, a really, really big boat. (laughs) Abraham and Sarah, even though that they were useless in the eyes of the world, believed in the words of God. And each one of these experienced God in powerful ways. He's stirring their hearts, reminding them of the promises. And we could spend all morning on each one of these individuals, each one of these men and women. When offered a chance to participate in God's plan, these individuals said yes. And they were just ordinary Christians, or they weren't Christians, but they were ordinary people, just like you and me. Oftentimes, it's it's easy for us to think of them as great superheroes, in a sense, that they somehow had something that we didn't. But these men and women were farmers. They were herdsmen. They were married. They were unmarried. They were poor. They were rich. They were young. They were old. They were normal, ordinary people, just like me and just like you. Maybe I'm not so ordinary. I don't know. Clergy are kind of weird. But ordinary. (laughs) I'm kidding. That was a joke. Okay, great. (laughs) But these individuals believed God when he said that there would be a day in which the son of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. That there would be a day in which God would wash away all sin and darkness from the earth and peace would reign. There would be a day in which humanity would fill the earth as God's image bearers, bringing healing to the land. That there would be a day in which a better country would come. These men and women looked around the world and within their own hearts as well And they saw murder and disease and corruption. But they knew that a day was coming in which God would make all things new. They didn't know the full story. They didn't know about Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. But they had faith that God would complete a good work. He would complete that which he had set out to do. And I love what the scriptures... I love how our passage in Hebrews concludes. It says that they received the delight of God. Therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God. In other words, he's proud of them. And I love how it's, it's actually linked up in our gospel passage as well. Luke begins, or Jesus begins this passage, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I don't know what your story is here this morning right now. I know some of your stories, but not everyone's. I'm guessing, though, that not very many of you are tempted to revert back to old Jewish ways. Um, wearing clothes with mixed fabrics, uh, handling pigskin, things like this. You know, that's that's not necessarily the life that we want to revert back to. But maybe it is a temptation to leave the faith. Maybe it is a temptation to revert back to the way that things used to be in your life. I think there's three things that we could do in that situation. First is to pray for more faith, to simply ask the Lord. And I know this is a simple thing, but it's got to be the first thing. Ask the Lord, say, God, I know you've been true in the past. Be true for me. Like, let me experience your truth right now. Let me see more of you. Let me experience more of your faith. We'll get to this later in the book of Hebrews, but God says to his people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is faithful to that prayer. Second, look to your own past. Remember what the Lord has done in your own past, in your own life as well as your family's life. What are those stories in your faith that you can lay claim of, lay hold of now. Write those stories down. Tell them to others. Celebrate them with your family. Celebrate the mighty things that the Lord has done in your life. And then thirdly, look to the church. I love what the, the Orthodox Church tells us, that the church is the icon of the kingdom of God. If you want to know what it's like to be a part of a family of God, to experience faith, Come here. Come listen to our stories. Hear what we like to talk about in potlucks and picnics and in life groups and other things that we like to do. Come and hear the stories of faith that we like to tell each other. These things will grow the faith within our hearts. Because here's the cool thing about Christianity. You can borrow the faith of others. You get to hear their stories. You can say, hey, the same God who did that for you is the same God who can do that for me. You get to experience this with one another. One of the best ways you can grow your faith is by being with one another and being a part of the body of Christ. So in a moment, we're going to be celebrating Holy Communion with one another. And this is a big moment in which we get to remember the mighty things that God has done. And in return, we get to receive from God in this moment. We believe that Jesus' presence is real here in the bread and the wine. We actually get to experience him in a real and profound and mysterious way. So when you come forward this morning, may it be a time in which your faith is rekindled. It grows a little bit. Even here is where a wandering people looking for our homeland. May your faith be rekindled this morning. May you long for that day in which we will see our Lord Jesus Christ and feast with him face to face. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that our faith oftentimes waxes and wanes. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us with more. Bless us with more of the faith, Lord. May we be like those heroes of old who even though they couldn't see the fulfillment of your promises, they were excited and they took that step forward and they walked in faith. Lord, again, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this beautiful opportunity to come and proclaim the mighty things that you have done. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.